0: When you couple that with tone of voice and body language, it, it's really hard to mistake that message and the message that you're trying to get across. Um, and, you know, social science says that the, only 7% of of the the total message is actually the words that we speak. 38% is tone of voice and 55% is body language. What I look like when I'm speaking those words. Listen
1: Drive innovation. Hey everyone, it's Matt here for another episode of Thinking Inside the Box, a show where we discuss complex issues related to work and culture. If you're interested in checking out our other content, you can find us at fentohr.com, wherever you find your favorite podcasts by searching Thinking Inside the Box, and now in virtual reality, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in Altspace VR. In today's episode, I chat with Josh Little, founder and CEO of Volley, a Utah-based video messaging app for teams and professionals alike. Josh is an interesting guy, a former school teacher and now serial entrepreneur who's launched four tech companies since 2007. And like a lot of us, Josh saw the opportunity presented by the global pandemic and the inevitable shift of how we do work. So together, we cover a range of topics, particularly relevant today. We talked about organizations in a post-pandemic context and their shift to digital or hybrid interfaces. We discussed remote team communication and the importance of using video and voice to complement text-based or email-based communications that drive true connection. And we got real about the changing nature of social interactions within organizations. The fact is, things have materially moved from where they once were, and the days of meeting around the proverbial water cooler are, if nothing else, reduced, they may go away altogether. And apps like Volley give us an alternative that is compelling, engaging, and ultimately accelerates knowledge transfer and communication, which ultimately is where all of us as leaders are moving towards. We had a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, Josh Little. I don't like that Zoom entry, Josh, but I know it's the world we live in nowadays, and we yes. are now recording what is going to be, I know, a great conversation. Josh Little, how are you? <laughs> so good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing really well. Um, right. I'm excited to talk about all things Volley, but before we get into that, maybe for those who don't know Josh Little, walk us up to where we are today. What's your background, your experiences, what brought you to today's conversation?
0: Oh, sure. Well, I'm a teacher by training. I got a degree in secondary education and taught in public school for a year and realized. That was not my thing. Um, And then tried to figure out what can someone with these skills do and figured out that sales is actually something. If you can motivate 11th graders not to burn down the school, you can motivate someone to buy a thing. So I I did well in sales, uh, kind of skipped around three Fortune 500 companies, um, successful salesperson that came in-house and did sales training at a couple of those. And that was really the the springboard that launched me into starting my first company, uh, Maestro. I was trying to solve a problem, scratch my own itch. I was trying to build e-learning back before there were all of the great tools that exist today. And it was just really hard. And I thought there should be a company that did that. And uh, I left to start my own company and turns out pretty much every other training manager in medical and pharma, which is the space we were in at the time, Agreed, and uh, you know today Maestro builds content for Facebook and Netflix and all kinds of cool companies. Um, but Maestro was my first of four tech companies. Uh, collectively, you know, a uh, couple hundred million users uh, uh, across the four. Raised venture money. I've bootstrapped. Uh, I've had two exits. Uh, a third one anticipated, and I took a few years off before trying to figure out what it was I really wanted to build. Um, you know, I'm not getting any younger. And, um, you know, I've got, I wanted to give something big to the world. So uh, it took about four years to find the the concept that is Volley. And that was kind of the nexus of having think thought about the problem, how to get the right information to the right people at the right time at work. Very much with Bloomfire, my love of asynchronous communication on tools like Snapchat or Marco Polo. And then the pandemic hits and it's like, ah, I know what the world needs, a better way to communicate when they're remote. And um, that's when we started building Volley.
1: And the world thanks you for it because before that, the available infrastructure in the market was, needlessly saying, woefully inappropriate.
0: No doubt. Yeah. Well, you 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 really only have two options to communicate with your coworkers. You can either type or you can talk. And today we have digital versions of those options, but they're they're really not evolved. Technology hasn't taken us to a new place other than l- let us do that uh, at home versus at work, right, or in an office. Um, so that's very much what we're we're trying to dig into with Volley is to create a new creature that gives you the best of both worlds. So if you you don't know what Volley is, it's a video messaging app that allows you to share easy video messages back and forth with your team. It's the best of talking with the flexibility of of typing or asynchronous. Um, This is kind of the best of of both worlds there. And uh, by breaking up the turns in a conversation, a lot of magic happens. So in Volley, we take turns just like this conversation, Matt, like we've taken a few turns so far, except you record your turn with video. And that's the big idea.
1: Which makes sense because, you know, and speaking, Josh, with with HR leaders, business leaders, in the days just when the pandemic really was becoming taking shape, and this is probably March or April of 2020. And one of the big concerns was, okay, there's going to be a giant lift, of course, to get thousands of employees, in some cases, from a physical office into working, you know, in the home, in a in a different location, et cetera. But after that, after that that gargantuan, you know, hardware lift, if you will, there was this question about how do we keep momentum? How do we keep culture? How do we keep connection and collaboration when we've leaned so heavily on the on the informal that, you know, the, the water cooler chat, the, the meeting before and after the meeting, bumping into somebody in the hallway on the way to get a coffee um, you know, those various elements don't exist in a, a linear um, digital, you know, communication medium, you know, that is zoom, that is email, that is text messages. So I'm just, you know, I, I, I heard these problems over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I'm, I'm guessing Josh, you did as well. And I'm, I'm curious, how you, you know, why Volley in particular bridges the gap between those two things.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is uh, a huge insight. Simon Sinek actually just launched a video a couple months ago that, that he basically is saying we're 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 living on borrowed time here because we're we're really taking advantage of the existing relationships that we already had that we once built. Like if anyone that's new is just getting plugged into those things, and and we're taking advantage of that, we don't realize how important it was. Those conversations, like you mentioned, the water cooler, the ad hoc conversations, the the meeting up in the parking lot after work, or seeing each other at lunch, we didn't realize how big those were until they were taken away. And I still don't think we completely realize it because we're kind of holding our breath because of the afterglow of what what we once had, right? And so, Volley is focused on helping make conversation flow more easily, uh, being face-to-face without being calendar-to-calendar. So, when when we all went remote, it, the the need for talking didn't go away. We still need to talk to move work forward. Um, there's only so much you can write in a Slack message. There's only so much you want to write in an email and then context and, and uh, humanity of is out the window with e- each of those. So you, you still need to talk to move work forward. And what does that look like in a remote world? Well, that looks like back-to-back Zooms all day. And this is where Zoom fatigue sets in. And it's, it's kind of, like you have to pick your poison uh you you can talk uh which is great but it's time bound we have to stop what we're doing we have to get in the same place we have to deal with technical difficulties so on and so forth we all know the the downsides of synchronicity not to mention it interrupts deep work and uh, flow and all of those things but then the opposite is typing and and when we choose to type like when i say type i mean like a slack message or an email we're doing something that we're 7 times slower at naturally like we are all elite athletes at this thing called communication we totally take it for granted even the least of us is a, an elite athlete at this thing that is just so dynamic and rich and for that reason whenever we're we're in an asynchronous format that really means typing and typing is limited in richness therefore there is some threshold some sense we all have where it's like uh we just need to get together we just need to get live so with volley we just create a way to allow you to do that that is outside of time or place you record a video message you say what you need to say you move on with your day your coworkers can respond on their time with a video message and these are threaded in in a timeline so it's not sharing a piece of content it's using video as a vehicle for communication and there's just a lot of power in the asynchronous nature of this um, because even 10 seconds can make all of the world of difference. If I'm writing the last line of the manifesto or this last piece of code, if you tap me on the shoulder in a virtual or a, um, a, an office environment, you may have just interrupted this last perfect moment that I I needed. But with asynchronous, um, we don't have that problem. You can you can pick it up and educational research shows even when you give someone 3 seconds to think about the response before they have to give it we, we the the response is fundamentally better uh, than what is currently expected in a in a synchronous conversation which is 200 milliseconds if If you wait more than 200 milliseconds to ask your question after I stop talking, but you don't know when I'm going to stop talking, that's considered an awkwardly long pause and that's existence across all cultures and all languages. So lots of cool things we can do with asynchronous video communication being kind of the best of both worlds.
1: Well, fortunately for both of us, I talk really fast, Josh, so (laughs) there won't be any gaps of longer than the time you've listed. Um, But I think what you're describing really, to me, speaks to a core of a challenge that we're facing, which is you've listed, you talked about the, if you will, the learning science, the educational science. And there's an element here of communication. If you strip away all of the the pageantry around it, communication is conveying an idea from one person or from many to one person or to many. We're we're transferring knowledge, transferring information, transferring awareness back and forth. And necessary in in any um, organization. And the tools that we, we talk about, whether they be social media or email or telephone or video conferencing, whatever it looks like, they're all just mechanisms to achieve the same outcome, which is we're trying to communicate and convey information back and forth. And there's a science behind that that says, if we wanna have Information be be best received, be most retained. If there's a key message in that information, if you want to re- someone to retain information from that. There's a series of steps you should go through. There's a series of sequences. Some emotional triggers you should, you should probably poke at. Like there's there's a science behind influence and persuasion. And you know, I'm thinking about my friend, you know, Prince Guman, the neuromarketer who talks about the blend between marketing and neuroscience. So there's absolutely messaging around that. And on the other hand, Josh, you also mentioned there's social norms and there are, there's social psychology, which in some cases actually is in conflict with the learning science insofar as some of the things that you mentioned. We, we know that if you give people the opportunity to reflect upon ideas, they generally come back with, with a more rich and wholesome answer. But socially, we are uncomfortable with long pauses. That's one very small, minute example of, of a larger issue. And I'm curious You know, how, when you think about volley, have you considered those two elements in tandem? And if so, how have you thought through how to solve for some of those challenges?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you mentioned retention, Uh, retention of visual information is, is like no contest between visual and written information. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think what we're really aiming at here is, does it matter what you sound like. And when you look, is it really just the words that you speak that matter or is it how you speak them that really matters? And we all know the classic example there is we need to talk. You know, if if you were to write that in a text message, there's a lot of ways you could take that some really good, some really terrible and everything in between. But when you couple that with tone of voice and body language, it's really hard to mistake that message and the message that you're trying to get across. Um, and, you know, social science says that uh, only 7% of of the the total message is actually the words that we speak. 38% is tone of voice and 55% is body language, what I look like when I'm speaking those words. So that's, that's very much um, part of what we're trying to solve for is, yeah, maybe you don't need to know context of, hey, lunch is here. That message, like that's, that's a pretty thin message. Yeah, that could totally be a text. For that reason, just write a text volley. You can write text volleys or record your voice on a bad hair day or share your screen or share files and docs and all of those things, of course. But what's crazy is 75% of volley sent are video volleys. And people come to volley for that feature. And that's why people stay and retain is because of the value of that. And the cost of it is is no more than the cost of writing a Slack message. And in fact, I would argue it's even less because you can speak seven times faster. So you can you can convey a lot more. You can get the essence of your idea. You can show someone with your camera exactly what you're talking about. And if you were trying to put all of that into a, a text thread, like that's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of editing. That's a lot of, that's that's 10 minutes versus, you know, one minute on Volley.
1: Well, and that's, that's the key piece here is we're talking about, to your point, playing to our strengths as human beings, our gifts of communication, our ability to convey complex topics and subjects and, and sequences, and do so in an intelligent way, that's that's a gift we have. And it's, it's easier to do that, generally speaking, by way of conversation, if that's a video, fantastic, than it is to convey with writing and other methods as well. So it's, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that you've had some success. I mean, Josh, what are some of the challenges that companies are coming to you trying to solve for? I mean, we've talked about remote work. We've talked about the ability for people to convey messages back and forth. What are some of the, if you will, use cases or some of the problems that are popping up as you talk to organizations around the world?
0: Well, the two top ones would would totally line up with uh, what Buffer's State of Remote Work study cited last year. The top two problems with remote work being lack of communication, and loneliness or lack of connection. And, and those are kind of the top two that that we're solving for. And that's why they're looking around for something else. Uh, we'll hear things like, you know, I just started a few weeks ago. I'm already finding it hard to like communicate or catch up with my boss on Slack. And so we thought this could be a good solution. Or or from like uh, folks who identify as introvert, they, they, like I have an engineer who's a user who says, you know what, my friend's on... Snapchat or uh, WhatsApp. They think I'm funny. They think I'm courageous. They have this total different point of view of who I am than the people at work. It's And it's because I sit in these synchronous meetings and I just don't know what to say. I, I trip over my words. I'm not good thinking on the fly. I'm not good at like putting those ideas into words. I need a minute to process these things. So, you know, these, these are some of the things that allow the not only the the communication playing field to be flattened uh, but it also to be increased in quality and and you know the 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 fidelity or the humanity of those messages to be received in a way that is just impossible with with a text so we've um we've been kind of diving at the heart of those problems with the product trying to figure out how to Make connection happen a lot more easily with, within a workspace, and one of the ways that you connect with others is through humor.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Matt here, and I hope you're enjoying today's discussion. Before we continue, I want to make you aware of our latest creative project: HR in VR. Every Thursday at 5pm Pacific Standard Time, I'll connect with technology pioneers, business executives from the world's most iconic brands, and industry thought leaders to discuss the future of immersive technologies, like virtual reality, and their impact on future workplaces. In partnership with Microsoft, we're broadcasting each episode on LinkedIn Live and in front of a live studio audience in Altspace. Joining is easy. For LinkedIn users, simply follow my account, Matt in VR, and stay tuned Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for the LinkedIn live stream. Or for a truly immersive live experience, visit altvr.com to download Altspace on your Mac, PC, or VR headset, and join us live in our studio audience. There you'll have a chance to ask questions, meet me and our incredible guests and connect with others from the comfort of your own home. This is the future folks, and I hope you'll be part of it. And I'll link the details for HR and VR along with all other relevant information in the show notes of this
0: podcast. And now, back to our discussion. And I you know, when you think about I'm not going to slack a joke because that's not, that's not gonna that's not gonna get what I want across, and I'm not gonna schedule a meeting to tell the joke. So, what do I do? Well, I guess I'm just not gonna tell the joke, um, or I'm gonna use a GIF that will sort of get me there, or use an emoji reaction that will sort of get me there, right? So, there's all of those little things in between. Um, that hey, I notice how are you? That's that's probably that that probably shouldn't be a Slack message. That sort of reach out, and people are gonna freak out if you schedule a meeting to, to do one of those maybe. But just all of these little ad hoc interactions and touch points that can happen throughout the day that can both increase connection as well as improve communication. And in the wake, because you know a team using Volley is constantly in the flow of work, we're constantly syncing up, unblocking, checking in throughout the day. For that reason, we don't really have one-on-ones at Volley. We don't really need them because we've already talked about everything that's important and we've talked about it in high fidelity and we've talked about it multiple times a day and we've rehashed it and the the need the traditional need for a one-on-one isn't there therefore a lot of the things that we that you would traditionally do synchronously in a company like brainstorming or one-on-ones or stand-up meetings or those sorts of things those can actually be asynchronous as well, because now you have a way to do them that has the richness that you need without the synchronicity, that the, the putting something on a calendar sort of thing. There's still a lot of good reasons to meet synchronously, and I, I don't want to be misunderstood in that way, like, accountability conversations. Yeah, those should, be ha- those should happen synchronously You should not terminate someone on Slack. Anything that's time-bound or requires a tight feedback loop and you need a lot of iteration of different ideas, those things are going to be terrible asynchronous. But for everything else, there's volley and we can make that better.
1: It mirrors a lot of the thinking we've been doing at Bento HR. And Josh, we had this discussion a little bit offline before we hit the record button. I think both of our organizations have found ourselves in unique positions of having to dip into our backgrounds and our histories of things we've worked on in the past, but also overlay them with a modern day lens because problems today are a little bit different than they once were. And, you know, you know, Volley is solving a problem that had predated our pandemic, um, there have been issues in communication and organizations for as long as I've been in the corporate world and certainly long sure. before that. And there has been challenges, um, you know, in organizational culture long before COVID-19 and certainly, you know, will endure after. And you have a solution that's come to the market that solves some of those challenges. And at the same time, what strikes me is the, the shift of work, in general, moving from more traditional, hierarchical, top-down type, you know, waterfall, if you will, project management styles of leadership, is there's this slow-moving iceberg um, to agile, where organizations are learning to operate, to your point, more asynchronously, to be much more focused in on things like scrum meetings and daily huddles and more, you know, fast, agile, quick communications versus the traditional, here's the, you know, the weekly report that comes down that somebody spends Mm -hmm. a full day building. Like it's, it's, it's much more real time, quick and dirty, maybe not as fancy and as produced, but certainly high, high, high um, accuracy. I'm curious, like for, I think about, you know, I think Josh, we're probably about the same age, but I remember my first few years in the corporate world, We didn't have Blackberries. Like we had to, like if work was done, work was done and we went home and like, what a wonderful world that was to live in. I'm not going to lie. Then all of a sudden someone gave you a BlackBerry and said, Hey, you can do your emails anywhere you want in the world. And you're like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. I can't believe it until like the third day. And you're like, Oh God, I have an electric leash that now I'm always available and always reachable. And communication has evolved along with that to now where work and life have kind of blended. They're integrated in some ways. You're answering work emails on the weekend. You're, you know, a tooth lock on the, on a Friday, you're going for a dentist appointment. Like it's, everything's kind of, kind of became blended. And along with that styles and comfort levels around types of communications have also shifted. And I know when speaking with people in, in my past, you know, organizations that even just the idea of sending text messages not too long ago was seen as intrusive. And I'm curious are you guys butting up against any social norms around sending videos? Um, around that being, um, you know, seen as maybe not the most ideal method. I understand the science behind it. I'm 100% bought into the value of, of sending messages. How do you How do you advise clients that may butt up against the the discomfort, if you will, of sending videos. I'm thinking about the companies, Josh, that like they have a culture of not turning on their Zoom videos when they're having team meetings. Like places like that where maybe they're a bit more introverted, a bit more shy, or video maybe isn't part of the normal culture. How do you butt up against that, knowing that it's ultimately a more effective method of communication?
0: Wow, what a great question. I and I think you and I are both doing similar work right now. The world is trying to figure out what work looks like and we have some opportunities that were thrust upon us and and we're doing the best we can to scramble make work still move forward and 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 yet we're still talking about this thing called the future of work and what does that even look like and what could that be and i think we all kind of collectively want work to be more flexible we want it to be more bad we, we expect the future of work it's not going to be more rigid it's not going back in the box right the future of work somehow. Um, well, oh wait, the the na- the name of this is thinking inside the box. So, um you know the the future of work is is only going to be more flexible, more dynamic, right? I, I think we all agree with that. And I can't imagine that future of work in that future of work that we're less comfortable with video. We're less comfortable with our authentic selves and where we happen to be where we while we're moving work forward whether it's walking the dog or dropping off the kids or at home or in a coffee shop or in an office the future of work is flexible we're, we're, we're different modalities throughout the day and and therefore in each of those modalities you need a different way to communicate a different communication tool you can't slack while walking the dog you can't zoom in a coffee shop or you shouldn't um and so the the the, the communication tool for that future of work Needs to be a shape shifter. It needs to be video when you need it to be video. It needs to be text when you need it to be. And that's all very much what we're, we're trying to do at Volley. However, to your question, yes, about 5%. And that's a totally made up stat, but it's just anecdotally about 5% of our users have, have an issue with Volley at first. They don't quite get it. They don't feel comfortable with video. They feel like they're talking to themselves. They feel like they're just recording a video of themselves and it just Feels awkward and uh, yeah, so so especially for you know a, a different generation like twenty year olds they've been they grew up with Snapchat they like this is a natural way to communicate. Of course you're going to send a video message to your friend. Of course you're not going to call your friend. Of course you're not going to schedule a meeting with your friend. All right? You're gonna you're just gonna snap them um, and uh, you know so volley for them feels very natural. But for someone yeah our age um, maybe. It's, it does feel unnatural at first. However, we found it takes about two weeks um, for, for the aha moment to set in. And that's not a magic number by any means, but it takes a couple of weeks to realize the power of doing that. And that volley isn't uh, a buttoned up communication format. And it's okay that you're walking through your kitchen while you're volleying, uh, while you're making lunch. And that's, that's cool because That's work that you would have had to do when you're going back to sit down at your desk after and why wouldn't you get that work done and off the plate so that you can have some time for deep work or focus afterward and it's it's totally cool that you're walking the dog because you can move work forward while walking the dog or when you're waiting in line to pick up your kid from school or or something like that so it takes a few volleys and interactions to realize that we're not only Communicating better, and uh, but we're communicating more flexibly, um, and that's worth the trade-off of feeling awkward. And after actually, after a couple of weeks, that just kind of goes away. And I tell them, you know, don't don't worry about what you look like. Don't look at yourself. Look at the camera, um, and don't stare at the camera because you wouldn't do that in a you know face-to-face conversation. No one really has like eyes riveted on each other, eyeball to eyeball contact, that's weird. So, you know, th- you gaze off in the distance, you're going to think, look, look off camera, co- you know, come back to camera. It, it starts to become natural, um, but it, it does, there is a learning curve and it's it's funny you mention it. That's that's what we see, here from some users, but I don't know if I've heard from a user that wasn't able to get past that. Well, maybe I just wouldn't hear from a user that wasn't able to get past that. They just stopped using it.
1: Well, I don't think, I think, you know, what I've taken away, Josh, in the last year, I mean, I'll be honest, when I was in the corporate world, I was so deeply embedded in looking internally that I wasn't spending a lot of time looking outside of the four walls of the organization. I think a lot of corporate employees can identify with that sentiment. You're just so focused on moving the rock forward in the context in which you're operating. And the, one of the benefits of becoming an entrepreneur is that I can allow my mind to float to things that I wouldn't otherwise allow that to because sometimes allowing my mind to float means we unearth new insights or new potentials or new um, opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise found if we just focused in on doing the same tired things over and over again. And one thing that's kind of come to me over the last little while, I, I had this for those who follow my content for a while, you know, I had this article up probably two years ago now, Josh, where I was talking about we need to mercifully merge marketing and HR, because in my opinion, the, the same skill sets, the same purposes, but one's directed externally, one's directed internally. But we treat oh, them differently, treat them because one's of revenue generating functions and one's of cost center. And the reality mm-hmm. is they both can be viewed in both lenses if you're thoughtful about it. So but but the premise of that argument was largely communication based. My premise was, hey. Marketing and HR folks need to segment audiences, need to craft and curate specific messages to those audiences, and find a way for that, those messages to resonate in such a manner that would convey an action, a decision, uh, you know, a memory, something would ha- have some sort of output. Call it impressions, call it engagement, call it what you want. But there's a level of, um, you know, we're trying to communicate with human beings and, and get some resonance. and. I thought that the time that HR professionals would benefit a lot from leaning on their marketing colleagues to do things like employment branding more effectively or to more effectively address internal communications. And one of the the, the analogies that I used a lot was, if I was in a marketing um, consultant and I came to your office and said, hey, I had the perfect strategy for Volley. Here's my plan. I'm going to go down to your local... like." Copy center, I'm going to print off a thousand posters and then I'm going to print them up and staple them all over the telephone poles in your neighborhood. You're guaranteed to get sales. Well, you would just say, hey, that's a terrible idea. Thank you for leaving my office. And by the way, I hope you're going to recycle those papers on the way back. Um, but the, how many organizations stop their communications at a company wide email and some posters up in the hallway on some cork boards? So, the, the same premise, you wouldn't offer that same treatment to an external customer. You shouldn't offer it internally. I share that long rant because as over the course of last year, thinking about that, but also thinking about the future, it became clear that we weren't taking a nuanced enough look at communication, that we weren't really thoughtful about pairing the type of message with the type of tool to convey the message. And how we arrived at that, Josh, which you alluded to earlier, was we found ourselves into virtual reality where we said, hey, virtual reality doesn't solve all the world's problems. It's not the same as being in the same room. I would way rather be in the same room as my co-founder, but he's in Seattle. I'm in Vancouver. Until the border reopens, that's not going to happen. But anytime we want to, we can pop on virtual reality headsets and we can have, through spatial awareness, a feeling of co-location and intimacy and convey messaging and, and, and have a shared experience in a way that we would not be able to have in any other context unless we were in the same room. And there's significant value for that level of progression towards more intimate and more immersive type environments for communication, for learning, for hiring, for for coaching, but it's not going to replace being front row at your favorite artist concert when they, you know, start their tour. It's not going to be the same as standing on the 50-yard line and watching your favorite football team win the Super Bowl. It's just not the same as being in person, but it closes it solves for a problem. And the more you speak about volley, the more I'm thinking about this solves for a very specific type of problem that many of us just work around. To your point, I probably send way more voice text now to my team than I did before the pandemic. But even voice text can sometimes leave me lacking in terms of the ability to convey emotion behind what I'm saying, for example, mm. or things of that nature. So, you know, I, I'm curious, as you guys think about these kind of challenges going forward, are there any other problems that you're thinking about trying to solve for where you think volley would be a really, really good fit.
0: Well, uh, we can go here. I don't, it may be overused or a concept that's beaten down too much, but culture is, is one that we hear a lot from our users actually. And it's, it's interesting because what, what is culture? Um, I believe communication is culture. What, what did it used to be when we had, Offices? Well, was it was it the values that were on the wall? Is that our culture? Uh, well, we don't have walls anymore. Was it uh, the way our lobby looked? Was it the soda machine that we had that was that made our culture? And these were some things that people pointed to. But if if you think about it, take communication away, what's your culture? you have no culture. There's there's nothing there, right? So, some form of communication is your culture and the way you communicate, the way that you show up and help and the, the traditions and the expectations around that and the, the quality and the fidelity, all of it equals culture, which equals trust, which equals re- relationships. So, I don't know. It seems maybe a little too in the clouds to, to think of that you know something like volley or vr to your point like all of these things are right tool for the right job to uh, you know as you're saying um but we can now with with the constraints of the office taken away um and that we're in in this virtual environment we can now redefine what is culture and what matters to us and what we're finding is for it's it's mostly smaller teams honestly that are using volley right now it's it's people, it's a team trying to do big things where stakes are high, communication matters, every interaction counts. So they're looking for a way to do that better. Um, and they're picking up Volley instead of tools like Slack or, and Loom and using that totally instead of those and, and also replacing some of their Zooms because... They prefer that video-first approach to communication because it helps them do what they're doing, um, and 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 make every interaction count at least as much as it possibly can in a in a virtual world, right? So, yeah, all of that to say, uh, you know, I think culture is is maybe something we're making a, a little bit of a dent in, in, at least our corner of the world.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you. And having run engagement programs and organizations for the better part of fifteen years, I can tell you that. There's absolutely a a degree of art and science, and if I strip away the art and put the science on the table for a second, a good engagement strategy is predicated on a couple of key principles. One, you need to go and talk to your employees and ask them the right questions. Two, you need to collect that information. Three, you need to decide what you're gonna do with that information, if anything, And then, four, you need to be able to communicate back to your employees what you've done with the information, if anything, and thank them for their feedback. And you repeat that over and over and over and over again. And all those steps involve communication. So, Mm -hmm. like that culture is communication, communication is culture, they're interchangeable. And I agree with you. I think as you guys, Address and solve for communication challenges, you're going to surface cultural challenges that come up as a result. Um, whether that's the manager that doesn't share information within their team because they're afraid of the fact that their team might know more than them, and that's a, they, they feel insecure about that. Whether it's um, you know confidentiality concerns raised from one department to another where they don't want to cross you know functionally collaborate even though the, both parties would benefit from the information. Like all those weird, odd things that pop up in corporate cultures, we call them politics. Those things start to become um, those walls start to come down when we find a more seamless, integrated, thoughtful method of communications. And I, I'm really excited, Josh, you took a chance to, to connect today. Um, as you go forward, what's next on your plate? What's What's the next 12 months look like for Josh Little?
0: Oh, it's just working with our users, learning from them, and just trying to build the the ultimate product to help you know teams in, improve communication, increase connection, and reduce meetings. We're pretty maniacally focused on on that goal. And so we've got a lot of fun features that we're playing, we're working on like a pretty amazing transcription tool set right now. So that, because what we've heard is while videos are very rich and communicate you know, a ton and are very valuable, they're also hard to parse, and they feel intimidating. Um, and, and when you get behind in volley, it, it feels like a, a job to catch up. So we're, we're just solving for those things. That's that's kind of the short term. But um, yeah, it's really just um, focusing on your users and finding that user led growth. Josh, thank
1: you so much for taking the time today to connect. I was eager to chat with you for a few reasons, and I'm glad we had a chance to do that. It's just, this is a topic that is going to increasingly become on everyone's agenda as leaders, as individual contributors, um, as organizations. We need to find better ways to communicate, to connect, to collaborate. and, And I'm glad that individuals like yourself are trying to think through better ways for us to do that.
0: Well, uh, I could say the same right back to you, Matt. So, uh, likewise, I'm glad uh, the kinship is there and we were able to connect today.
1: Very good. We'll talk real soon.
0: All right, man. Take care.
1: At Bento HR, we enable your HR strategy with custom HR technology procurement, implementations, and integrations to liberate your team from administration, enhance their productivity and experience to position them at the center of your organization's transformation, where they belong. With experience as an HR executive myself, I have a real appreciation of the challenges facing today's HR leaders. The world is changing. Your industry is being disrupted, your organization is transforming, and all the while you're trying to do more with less. You're being asked to simultaneously model fiscal restraint while the expectations of your departments are only increasing. At Bento HR, we can support you at every stage of your transformation, from architecting the strategy to developing and selling the business case internally. We support procurement, implementations, and ongoing sustainment. And we tie it all together with a deep knowledge of the HR profession and over six decades of combined experiences from our founding team who has worked in or supported large HR organizations across multiple industries, including, but not limited to, financial services, technology, retail, transportation, and healthcare. Check out Bento HR today to build your very own Bento box, which doubles as your business case for transformation. Leveraging recent research into the upside of digital automation inside organizations, and with your help in answering a few simple questions related to your organization, our bento builder will provide a directional business case for change. So log on to www.bentohr.com and build your bento box today.